Welcome to Full Court Press, and I'm Lee Weirvin. Henry, as we speak, Syracuse, 1-9 Syracuse, is only down 3 to Notre Dame. Don't tell me we could pull off an upset. Liam, they cannot pull off an upset. I'm sorry. I mean, it was just 7-3 Syracuse is up. They held on for, what, 27 minutes, but I, I don't know. This might be getting out of hand. Hey, 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 hey. Regardless, I find it fascinating that you can beat a Michigan team, which was ranked at the time, and Northwestern, a top-10 team in the country last weekend, but lose to Rutgers, who was perennially the worst Power 5 team until this year. All right, boys and girls, back on the show is the guy whose Detroit Tigers failed to win a World Series despite having four number one starters for a while and then an overloaded offense at the time, Mr. Henry Kinzel. And boy, we've got a lot on today's episode. South Carolina gets bamboozled. Paul George takes an unnecessary shot. And Tyree Kill puts on a performance for the ages. But we begin today with the with Wednesday night's bas- bombshell. The Houston Rockets have shipped disgruntled point guard Russell Westbrook to the Washington Wizards in exchange for a heavily protected first-round pick and disgruntled point guard John Wall. Westbrook was on a hot streak from Christmas up until the season's disruption. But he stank in the bubble. As for Wall, the man hasn't played in two years. He's coming off of a torn Achilles, and he was still very injury-prone before that injury. Henry, does this deal make sense to you in any way, shape, or form? Well, I feel like you're trading Westbrook, who is a speedy guard, and for John Wall, another speedy guard, but the thing about John Wall is that he's injury-prone. But the, um, the Rockets are also getting first-round picks, so I think that first-round pick bounces out. I feel like Westbrook brings more energy and is more exciting, but I think John Wall will fit Harden's play style better if that's what they're trying to do, build around Harden. Here's the thing. So I'm gonna you talked about Houston a lot. I'm gonna talk about Washington before I get into Houston. The Washington Wizards, you heard it here first, my friends. The Washington Wizards are now a top five team in the Eastern Conference. In no particular order, the top five teams in the Eastern Conference next year are going to be Boston, Miami, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and the Washington Wizards. Don't talk to me about Toronto. They lost all their bigs with the exception of Siakam. And please don't talk to me about Philly. They're a train wreck. They can't win with Simmons at point guard. You take a look at what the Washington Wizards have done. They have upgraded from John Wall dramatically with Russell Westbrook, who I believe has regressed recently, but at the same time, still arguably the most athletic point guard in the NBA. Him and Bradley Beal are going to be specialists together. And you add Davis Bertans, who's a better shooter than any shooters in Houston, that's going to help Russell Westbrook out tremendously. Bradley Beal, arguably the best shooting guard in the league, not named James Harden. And then you've got the young kid, Haji Mora, who's still developing, who I believe has all-star potential. They are building something special in Washington. And as for Houston, what this is, I said this a year and a half ago after they made the Westbrook trade. It's either going to be a perfect fit or it's going to blow up to smithereens, like what happened with Westbrook. Because you pair John Wall with James Harden, who both very egotistical, both ball dominant, and the John Wall is still pretty injury-prone, Henry. I mean, it's hard to envision this working. I mean, I know John Wall and Boogie Cousins together, that that, re, that reunion of sorts is uh, somewhat appealing, but at the same time, I don't see this being an upgrade for Houston. And that first-round pick is, is it's so heavily protected. It's not even going to be of tremendous value come down the line. Yeah, John Wall washed, Boogie Cousins washed. It's literally just hardened and... I mean, you fired D'Antoni, no more Daryl Moore. I, it's just, Washington, I feel like, 
will win the trade in the long run. Absolutely. They they will be a top five team in the Eastern Conference this year. I guarantee it. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. I, I'd say so, but yeah. What, yeah. what are your Pistons going to upend them, Henry? Uh, yes, yes, they are. They are. Killian Hayes, rookie of the year. All right, well. Aaron Neesmith, rookie of the year. Tyler Hero, 2.0. <laughs> yes. Uh, Liam, like you said, a year and a half ago, you said the first Westbrook trade wouldn't work, and you're right. There have been a lot of big games on the men's side of college hoops this week, Liam, but I don't think anyone expected Thursday's game between 8th-ranked women's NC State and top-ranked South Carolina to be a big game. Lo and behold, the Lady Wolfpack pulled off a 54-46 upset of the Lady Gamecocks, which shakes everything up drastically. I can't imagine they'll be number one now, which opens it up for Stanford, UConn, which hasn't played a game yet due to a COVID outbreak, and Baylor, which could end up having the top two teams on both the men's and women's side. Wrong side. Depending on how the men's game with Gonzaga goes, Liam, just how big of a loss is this for South Carolina? First, I want to clear it up. Today's Baylor Gonzaga game unfortunately got called yeah. off due to positive tests within the Bulldogs program. So I don't think Baylor's men's is going to be number one anytime soon. But you take a look at the big picture. This is a gigantic upset, Henry. I mean, in men in men's call troops, you see the top five teams getting upset with regularity. I mean, I think there's normally at least one per week. Not on the women's side, and I'm not going to go around saying that I'm the big women's college basketball expert, which I'm not, but I know enough about it to know that it is rare for a top-five team to lose when it's not a top-five matchup. I mean, the vast majority of years, it's normally all ones, with maybe with two in the Final Four. So, that being said, this is a huge upset here, and I really think this is going to open things up for UConn and Gino Ariema to potentially reclaim their throne as the perennial women's college basketball powerhouse, even though they haven't started yet. Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, in women's basketball, if you're number one, you the odds of you losing one game is unlikely unless it's against another top five team. But to lose to an awful team as NC State, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really see. I think awful is a stretch considering they're number eight, but... I know, but like, still, if it's not top five, then it's. I don't know. I, I would have to say that South Carolina losing that game is. It's, it's disturbing. I mean, you, but you know, ever since uh, ever since UConn's streak ended a few years ago, on that buzzer beater, yeah. I think it was against. It was either Notre Dame or Mississippi State. Sorry, my. Notre Dame. Notre Dame hit the buzzer beater. Is one or two. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, but. Putting that all together, is I think it is safe to say, and with the other what Thursday night's loss, I think it is safe to say that women's college basketball is slowly becoming just as competitive as the men's side. I'm not saying it's there yet; it probably won't be for a while, but it's getting there. And I can't help but throw in my Syracuse Orange, also a top twenty-five women's team in the country. Do not sleep on them; they can make a run at the chip this year. Well, regardless, kudos to NC State for pulling it off. Not an easy thing to do. Let's get into the men's side, Henry. Tuesday night's Champions Classic featured two great games. Started with your 8th-ranked Michigan State Spartans using Durham to play number 6 too. Despite the Blue Devils jumping out to an early double-digit lead, the Spartans gained control in the second half en route to a 75-69 victory. Then 7th-ranked Kansas and 20th-ranked Kentucky scored off in Indianapolis. Nine even was a doozy. The Wildcats dominated the early portions of the game. I mean, Kansas looked awful. Falling behind by 13 points. But Kansas rebounded and won 65-62. In large part thanks to the Wildcats. 
shooting a measly 14.3% from three. That is unacceptable, Kentucky. John Calipari, fix that right now. Henry, break down these games. Biggest takeaways? Well, for the first game, Michigan State and Duke, I feel like the first 10 minutes, I think we had nine points. That, that sounds half. right. I watched, I watched the first half. It was a Yeah, we, we finished half with 35 or 36. So in 10 minutes, we scored 26 points. So once we get hot, I feel like it's over. And honestly, Duke did not look that good. The game last night against the Detroit Mercury that we played, looked better than this Duke team. I feel that, you know, Duke, we, we shut down Duke. It was it was not it was not a 75-69 victory. It was it should not have been that close. We were up by 15 with about five minutes left and then started pressing. We lost control, but um, we pulled it out. And as for the other game, Kansas-Kentucky, Kentucky's very young. They have so many freshmen. I feel like this loss, it hurts. It hurts. But I feel like they'll bounce back, you know, They'll obviously be a big threat in March Madness. In Kansas, I'm not sold on Kansas. I'm not have a true guard. I they, I don't know how they won this game just just because of three point shooting. But if Kentucky shot 40 percent from three, would have been a blowout. Yeah, so. Henry. When I had Will Torrington on the show a few weeks ago, he stressed out a lot that shooting wins college basketball games in Kentucky. Don't even get me started with how bad their shooting was. I mean, no disrespect to Brandon Boston, a guy whose last name I absolutely love, but I mean. Their shooting just wasn't there the other night. And you have to think Brandon Boston, one of the higher-rated freshmen in the country, maybe a sleeper candidate for the Wooden Award, would, I don't know, maybe ignite that offense. I don't think Boston will win the Wooden Award. I think that's, I think there's a unanimous choice right now. But at the same time, you've got, you've got to be better if you're Kentucky. This is a bad loss. They should have won that game easily. And as for the first game, I mean, I said a few weeks ago that Duke was going to struggle this year. And... Case in point. Yes, Duke. I don't, I'm They're not, really not. I mean, Duke. I'm they don't have Trey Jones anymore. I mean, DJ DJ Stewart is a good point guard, but he was he did not look good the other night against the Spartans. He plays well against bad teams, and I feel like I'm not I'm not sold on Kansas. I mean, yeah, I'm not sold on Kansas. I'm not sold on Duke. I'm not sold on Villanova. I'm not sold on Virginia. Oh, I'm not. I'm and I'm not sold on Wisconsin either. I mean, it's so up in the air right now. I mean. They're only two. They're only, Illinois lost too. They're only two undisputed. They're only three teams I'm completely sold on right now: Gonzaga, Baylor, Iowa, Michigan State. No. <laughs> yeah, well, our win proves that it's a sparty party. Liam, you thought second-ranked Baylor was overrated just the other day. Hours later, they beat fifth-ranked Illinois, 82-69. As we record this right now, the Bears should be playing the number one team in the country in Gonzaga, but it got postponed. But are you sold on the Bears right now? Well, the game would have been over by now, which would have changed this topic dramatically. But unfortunately, we can't have it. So, because this game isn't wasn't played, I'm sold on them. But I don't have faith in them 100%. If they had played against Gonzaga today and beaten them, then, then the sold. answer would be yes. But since mm-hmm. that game was never played, we'll never know. But you got to take a look at the Big 12 is easily one of the more stacked college basketball conferences this year with. Baylor, Kansas, West Virginia, UT, Tech, and more good teams. So that being said, it's still very early on in the season. We're still in the middle of non-conference games. If Baylor can play well against those teams I mentioned come conference play, then I may just be completely sold. I agree. I think um, I'm sold on the Zags. 
uh, Baylor, I mean, they got Maceo T, they got Butler, they, they had so many weapons. I mean, they made Illinois look bad. They shut down Wooden Award candidate Ayo Mashu, and I mean, he shot like maybe three for 12, and I, I, I don't know. I, I'm sold on Baylor, honestly. I don't like Baylor, but I'm sold. You talk? No, I don't like Baylor either, but let's talk about it. Wooden Award candidates here before we move on. There's only one Wooden Award candidate, and his name is Luca Garza. Luka Garza. Yeah. If 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 anyone other than Garza wins it, it will be a monumental upset. Mm. I feel uh, like should have gone to the draft. I mean, he's just tearing little kids up. This this makes his draft. Don't you think this makes his draft stock higher though? It does, but I feel like he could have gotten so much more development if he went to the NBA. Like right now, he's just tearing up on like. Little nineteen-year-olds. Uh, I mean, I don't like Baylor, but moving on, it's really tough to say yes to that question. We already talked about number five Illinois losing. Let's talk about number four. Last night, fourth-ranked Wisconsin paid a visit to Marquette, and it was a thriller. The game was six, tied at sixty-five, and Marquette guard DJ Carton had a chance to win the game with a free throw, but missed. And a crazy putback from Justin Lewis gave the Golden Eagles a sixty-seven to sixty-five upset win. Marquette plays in the Big East one of college basketball's best conferences, and is traditionally among its best teams. But they're unranked this year, Henry. So is this game more about the Golden Eagles winning it or the Badgers losing it? Badgers losing it, uh, I would have to say. I mean, if you're fourth ranked, you play. Marquette's solid. Marquette is always going to be a solid basketball team. But I'm just going to have to say that Wisconsin had a lot of... So, I'm, I'm not sold on Wisconsin. I'm not sold on Villanova, Virginia. Like I said, it's just, I don't, um, geez. I'm not sold, really. It's just, how are you ranked number four and lose? I don't, I don't get it. First of all, I like your ringtone. Just had to throw that out there. And second, you know, like we said earlier, men, the men's side more than the women's side is filled with upsets. And we've yes. seen it over the past week with, Nova losing to an unranked school, Virginia losing to an unranked school, and now Wisconsin is losing to an unranked school. I'll be a good unranked school in Marquette. I think that they've got a real good shot at making the tournament this year. But at the same time, it's more about the Badgers losing it. I mean, my good friend Ozzy, who lives in Wisconsin right now, posted on a story on Wisconsin last night, which, but I believe Marquette is in Wisconsin. So that makes things a little bit hectic for him up there. So overall, I. I'm not terribly worried about Wisconsin just yet. I'm not sold on them, but I, this is a yeah big, 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 big win for Marquette. It is, it is. I feel like this will get Marquette on the radar. And oh, absolutely. They'll be, they'll be a team to watch. They'll be an upset team for the Big East. I think they can take down Villanova. I mean, all those teams. I think they're... Okay, who's your top dog in the Big East now? Is it still Creighton? Top dog in the Big East? Yeah. Uh, I want to say Villanova, but they lost, and then Creighton's higher right now, right? Yeah. Creighton high. Yeah. Uh, you know, Creighton as, will be a solid game. I would have to say Creighton right now. As much honestly. as I want to say Seton Hall and our man Jahari Long, I, yeah. I think Creighton is the top dog in the Big East right now. Yeah, I was going to say Seton Hall. Just full bias. Well, regardless, crazy we can call it troops, but back to the NBA in recent days, Paul George 
has been very critical of Doc Rivers, essentially putting all the blame on him for the Clippers' collapse. Paul George said during that whole process, we never worked on adjustments. We never worked on what to do differently. Well, obviously, Paul George. Liam, is it fair for PG-13 to blame Doc for the collapse? No! No, 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 no. You are... Paul George, shut your mouth, please. I mean, please. you... I mean, I, I know you've opened up about depression. I feel... And I really do feel for you, even though I don't know what it's like. And you've been a you've you've been one of my favorite players. But when you are shooting at the corner three with when you're down forward. 15 and just over four minutes left in the game seven, and you hit the backboard, you hit the backboard. That's what I That's what I you are, of. I mean, neither him nor Kawhi Leonard did anything in that game seven. That's clear. But to mm -hmm. throw all the blame on your coach, who's now coaching the Philadelphia 76ers, trying to figure out whatever catastrophic mess is going on within that chamber pot of a franchise. I mean, there's not much more to say. I Paul George, figure figure yourself out before you go putting the blame on others. I completely agree, Playoff P. Come on, man. Playoff P, such a bum. Like, that backboard shot, and that's exactly what I thought of when I saw the Paul George thing, and when he blamed Doc Rivers, I was like, dude, you hit the backboard. Like, how are you... I mean, sure, it's coaching adjustments, but when you have a 15-point lead, some of it has to be on the coach, but some of it, most of it, is on the players. And I mean, yeah, they blew, they blew three, they blew double-digit leads in three straight, three straight, in games. three straight potential clinching games. Three straight. That's ridiculous, man. I saw this the other day. Mark Jackson, or I just saw something on Instagram about Max Kellerman saying that Mark Jackson commented mid-game about the Clippers being down 10 at halftime, and him saying. This is exactly where the Nuggets wanted the Clippers to be. Lo and behold, he was right. Yeah, and some of that, some of that is coaching. All right, when you're up, you gotta figure out how to keep a lead. But when your star player in Game Seven goes, was Kawhi scored 14, I think, and Paul George probably the, the two, the two had 24 combined, including five yeah, in the yes. second half. And they had zero combined in the fourth. Pretty sure. Sounds right. Pretty or zero points combined. Maybe it's two. But honestly, if you're game seven in your two star players, they pay so much money that you brought to LA to win your championship, score zero points. They traded seven. they traded away their future. they traded away at least four first round picks for Paul George. They traded away their future. Exactly. They trade a and then I just it was bad. It's bad. E, Paul George is not the main person to blame, but he's one of the biggest people I blame for that. But, oh, Henry, I bet Doc will have a game plan for PG when his Sixers play L.A. You can guarantee he won't make it easy for PG-13 to solve it. But do you know what is easy? Podcasting with Anchor. All right, we've been talking basketball this whole show. Let's talk football now. Sunday saw Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady duel for the fourth time. And Mahomes got the best of them. Thanks to Tyree Kill's 269-yard, three-touchdown offers in KC's 27-24 victory. The Bucks have now lost three straight at home. So, Henry, does it make sense to be concerned about them? I just, I don't get the Bucks. okay? How do you have Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, Tom Brady, a top-10 O-line, and a top-10 defense, and you don't hold your opponents to less than 20 and score on literally every single drive. I don't, I don't get it. It's it's absurd. The play calling is awful. Tom Brady is pick machine. It's, I mean. He's an old man. 
He's an old man. He is an old man. 27-24, Kansas City win. That should not have been that close. Okay, I mean, so, taking a look, the, the Buccaneers have an unbelievably easy schedule left, ex- excluding their Week 14 game. They're on bye this weekend. They've got Minnesota at home next week. I'm not convinced they're going to beat Minnesota. And I'm then not. they've got at, at Atlanta, at Detroit, then versus Atlanta. I'm, I hate to be disrespectful to your team, but we all know they're going 3-0 there. They're, they yeah. should go 3-0 there. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, another thing I want to throw out, Patrick Mahomes is getting all the credit for that Kansas City win. What about Tyree Kill? He, he tore apart the Buccaneers secondary, found himself wide open for Mahomes to throw to, and people are saying, oh, Mahomes threw a complete dot. Tyree Kill got wide open. Stop yeah. praising Mahomes so much. Please. Tyreek Hill's, Tyree Hill's third touchdown was a dot. Uh, I'm going to have to say that. He's the, be- he's the best quarterback in football, hands down. But he gets way too much credit for the Chiefs' success. Way too much credit. He's got, he's got the fastest receiving core in football, the best tight end in football, and two elite running backs, or two good running backs, in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell. Do not give him all the credit. But getting back to the question, I don't see the Buccaneers winning a playoff game. I don't. Oh, wait, actually, it depends on where the NFC is. Because if they yeah. get the 5 seed and get matched yeah. up with the NFC least team, they'll win that game. But if yeah. they're the 6 or the 7 seed, they're not, yeah. winning. they're not winning a wild card game if they have to go up against a team from a division that's not the NFC East. If they're, if they're 6 or 7, I don't see them winning a game. 5? Then, they're, they're, as, yeah, of right, as of right now, I'm trying to figure out yeah, who would... As of right now, if they were to... If the season ended today... They would be in Seattle for the wild card playoff game. No way. There's no way they beat Seattle. Even even with that god awful secondary, I don't see them beating Seattle either. Yeah, I, just the play calling and Tom Brady has just been playing so bad. He uh, though that bad defenses, but as soon as he plays a good defense, like two picks. Three this picks. weekend, this weekend has a huge appeal for at least the NFC playoff picture because. The Rams play the Cardinals. They're they're the five and seven in wild card right now. The Giants play the Seahawks. The Giants lead the division. Giants win that game. They strengthen their hold, and LA takes over first place in the NFC West. Should they win that game, so this weekend is critical for the NFC playoff p- picture. It may not seem like it on paper because the NFC East stinks, but it's pretty darn big. Yeah. Well, Liam, I guess Tom Brady is human after all. So the picks. Pittsburgh Steelers, according to Mike Tomlin, Tomlin called their performance in Wednesday's game junior varsity, and it kind of was a junior varsity game as a whole, as a 10-0 Steelers team only won 19-14 against an extremely depleted Ravens squad. The game was very ugly, which perhaps was expected, but still, that's harsh criticism from Tomlin about his undefeated team. Liam, do you think it's fair for Tomlin to criticize them? Yes and no, and here's why. Yes, because obviously they played terribly. That's... That's a given. They did not look good. They only beat a, a, what people are calling a practice squad team by five points. And then Judy yeah. Smith-Schuster talking about, imagine getting stiff-armed by a TikTok influencer. People are saying, like, imagine putting up 30 yards against the practice squad. Judy Smith-Schuster needs to shut his mouth or he's going to regret it. He is turning mm-hmm. into one of the he's turning into one of the villains of the NFL, and it's happening fast. Because if he doesn't keep his mouth shut, when he goes up against Kansas City's good secondary, I'm, I'm just thinking about Tredavious White in Buffalo. Tredavious White will shut him down a few weeks' time. Mark my words on that. But I don't think it's fair to say that because when you look at it, Pittsburgh and Baltimore were supposed to play 
back on Thanksgiving. That game got delayed almost a week. So, Pittsburgh Steelers players were in the mindset of preparing, coming off of a Sunday win. They were in the mindset of preparing for a short week, a Thursday game. Then have it get pushed back from a week. That takes a toll on your mind. So, obviously, they played horribly. I mean, to tell you, they did not look good at all. I mean, they let Trace McSorley throw a 70-yard touchdown pass to Hollywood Brown. That shouldn't be happening against Pittsburgh's elite secondary. But at the same time, I kind of feel like you need to cut them some slack. Um, here's, here's my take. I think that when you're playing Trace McSorley and Robert Griffin, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, as an undefeated team, should absolutely blow them out the water. Pittsburgh had all their good players. They got a pick six. Like, on offense, they only scored 13 points on offense, and then they got a pick six. Just, it's just, a, it's just crazy. I, I, I want to call it junior varsity, though, because, like you said, they, they were not expecting a play on a Wednesday at 2.40, and then when they were supposed to play on Thanksgiving night. So, I feel like if they played on Thanksgiving night against Lamar, it would have been more of a gap in the win, even with Lamar. Yeah, Lamar, Lamar is nothing special this year. Just throw that out there. Hope he gets better with COVID-19, but he is nothing special this year. Yeah. But, Henry, they've got Indianapolis, Cleveland, and Buffalo coming up against the end of the season. Quote-unquote, junior varsity performances will not do it against them. Speaking of Cleveland, perhaps the biggest game of this weekend is a battle of 8-3s and threes as the Browns visit the Titans. Cleveland barely pulled off a win against the pitiful Jacksonville Jaguars last weekend, while Tennessee got revenge on Indianapolis, blowing them out the door in their own building. Henry, with that in mind, what are your expectations for tomorrow's game? Cleveland will just have to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. I mean, Jarvis Landry balled out last week, right? Jarvis Landry played amazing. Baker Mayfield played all right. But you, you got to use Nick Chubb tomorrow and Kareem Hunt. You just got to. And as for the Titans, I don't know. I think, I think the Titans will pull this one out. I mean, A.J. Brown's playing out of his mind. Derrick Henry had, like, 37 fantasy points in the first half. He had 140 yards, three touchdowns. I, I don't see Tennessee losing this game. Uh, so, I disagree. I think that Cleveland needs to pass the ball if they're going to win the game. I think Cleveland needs to pass the ball if they're going to win the game. Because hmm. Tennessee, in my opinion, has a good run defense, especially with guys like Clowney and Correa up there. But their pass Brown. defense is... Not what you call lead. So I think the key for Cleveland tomorrow is going to be airing it out to, to Jarvis Landry and their tight ends and to guys like Hooper and uh, Njoku. I think that's going to be the key to Cleveland winning. But they're not going to. Tennessee's winning this game. I think that they're the overall better team. I still think they are a sleeper pick to go to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying it will happen, but it very well could happen. Tennessee will win this game. I agree that um, Tennessee has a great chance. They're, they're a big sleeper, but if they run into... They're running Kansas City. I don't. I don't see them being Kansas City. Um, well, I couldn't have imagined this would be a good game at the start of the season, Liam. The NFC West took an interesting turn last weekend, like you said, when both the Rams Cardinals lost and the Seahawks found themselves in a kind of comfortable position. And LA and Arizona play in the desert tomorrow. Liam, is it too much to say that it's a make or break game for both of them? I don't think so. But you look at where L.A. and Arizona are. L.A. has a comfortable one game, two-game lead over the eighth seed right now. So I think they're going to make the playoffs. Arizona's only a game ahead of Minnesota. 
slowly yet surely bouncing back Minnesota. I mean, they've looked really good, with the exception of the game against the Cowboys. Which, by the way, stop talking about the Cowboys. That was a lucky win. But, you know, I Arizona, they did not look great against the Patriots last weekend. I mean, they lost to the Patriots, for crying out loud. And then, the Rams lost to the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan has owned Sean McVay since he got there, essentially. Mm-hmm. But, I think that I think that the winner of this game will for sure make the playoffs, but I think that if I don't think Seattle's going to win the division or Arizona's going to win the division at this point, if LA loses this game, I think Seattle's just going to run away with the NFC West. Yeah, I think Seattle will win the division, and I think LA will be second regardless of this game. If Arizona wins this game, I still find that at the end of the season, LA will still be second in the NFC West, and then Arizona. Will be three. I don't see the 49ers making the playoffs, but Arizona, that's tricky. When you have three teams in the same division, I think Arizona can pull off maybe the seventh seed, maybe the sixth seed. I don't know where they're at right now, but I think I think Kyler Murray is dealing with a little injury right now, and uh, D Hop has not played his best since the bye week. But I, except for that Hail Mary, of course. But other than that, he has not been. Absurd. He's not been playing like normal D Hop, and I don't know. I think tomorrow is going to be a big game. It's you, really big for Arizona because I think right now they're six and five, so they need to win this one. And I, for LA, I think I think they're locked for the playoff. You mentioned three teams in the same division making the playoffs. I mean that opens things up to a whole new perspective. I mean because mm-hmm. you always play a little bit differently against teams from your division. I mean, you know what you're playing yeah you know who you know who you're playing very well you know their strategies you know their schemes so yeah. if three if three teams in that division make the playoffs it could make things so much more interesting okay time for the history lesson boys and girls where we honor great achievements of the past in the coming week 22 years ago today december 5th 10th ranked texas a&m beat second ranked kansas state 36 to 33 in the double overtime big 12 championship game henry that's two things we will probably never hear for a while a&m in the big 12 and Kansas State at number two. No disrespect to the Wildcats, but with today's powerhouses, I'd call it unlikely. 83 short years ago today, Monday, December 7th, Liam's Boston Red Sox acquired the contract of 19-year-old Ted Williams. Teddy Ballgame went on to bat 344 for his career, hit 506 home runs, make 19 All-Star games, win two Triple Crowns, and serve in both World War II and the Korean War. Quite a story is that of Ted Williams. Liam, I'll take the next one to save from the pain. Two years ago, Wednesday, December 9th, the New England Patriots were up 33-28 with seven seconds left in it. Kenny still surrounded. He then lateraled to Kenyon Drake, and he was surrounded until he wasn't. Drake ran the ball back all the way to the end zone, juking out Rob Gronkowski in the process to pull off the 34-36 Miami Miracle. 34-33. First of all, thanks for saving me, Henry. And second, you know what my favorite part about the whole Miami Miracle thing is? Is that we won the Super Bowl a few week, a few months later. 39 years ago, Friday, December 11th, the great Muhammad Ali stepped into the ring for his 61st and final time. Ali is boxing's undisputed goat, but is remembered for so much more. This remembrance has come into light more so than ever over the past few months. But Ali, since Ali was a huge pioneer for the social justice movement, and his name is at the top of the growing list of athletes who have empowered the movement, in extraordinary ways. And with that, the show's almost over, so it's time for who you got. We start with college hoops. 
in a few, or about an hour from now, the South Carolina men pay a visit down the road to play 10th ranked Houston. Henry, smell an upset? I mean, college, men's college basketball, there's so many upsets. If U of H takes care of business, I don't see them losing. It'll it'll be a blowout. But, uh, I don't know. There's so many upsets, it's so hard to tell. It's it's crazy. I mean, yeah, Henry, they're one of the best teams in college hoops. In U of H, they're probably going to, they should have no problem taking care of business in the AAC. Yeah, so so many things. They, sh- they should win this game, but don't be surprised if they don't. Just because college basketball is so crazy. insane. Yes, it's crazy. All right, moving on to college football. The battle of unbeaten non-powerhouses. And this game was just scheduled this week. 13th-ranked BYU visits 18th-ranked Coast Carolina. Liam, who wins this one? I'm going to go with Coastal Carolina. I know BYU is favorite. I know they're the high-ranked team, but... Home field advantage plays a lot, even without fans. I mean, you have to deal with travel, jet lag, things of that nature. I've got my money on Coastal Carolina here to win this one. I know it's going to be tough, considering they're playing undefeated BYU, but I think Coastal Carolina should win this one. I think it'll be a good game. I think both teams are a little bit overrated. They haven't played any real competition, so this will be an actual good one to see who's legit, who's not. If it's a blowout and it's one-sided, then we'll know that one team was overrated. Uh Winning this game, I have, I don't know, might go Coast Carolina, like you said, home court, but. Home field. Nah, home court. Oh, God, come on. Don't do that. Don't do that. Always basketball. Always. Nothing else. Um, but, yeah, uh, I might have to go Coast Carolina, but it'll be, it'll be a good one, I think, right now. But whatever happens, if it's a blowout, then you know one team's fake. Last one, tomorrow's Sunday Night Football game. Sees the Broncos visit Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Smelling upset? No. 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 Kansas City's winning this game. Yeah, it's it's not going to be close. I, I I think they'll probably end up honestly benching Mahomes after the third quarter. I think this 30-plus. Hey, hey, I hope, I hope uh, Denver's got a quarterback this game time around, but even if they – Regardless of whether or not they do or don't, Kansas City is going to blow them out the door. Okay. It, even if, yeah, even if they do have Drew Lock, it's still, it's it's over. Well, folks, that's all for today. I'm Henry Kinzel. I'm Liam Griffin. I'd like to thank Henry for being my guest today, and thank you for tuning in. Be sure to give this podcast a follow on Instagram at Full Court Press Podcast and on Twitter at Full CP Podcast. That's F U L L C P Podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest. Please DM the podcast or contact me directly. Please, please, please stay healthy, wash your hands, be safe, be positive as always, and we'll see you next week.